The Birth Circle podcast features experts in all the nuanced areas of pregnancy, birth, and postpartum with the aim of helping women make the choices that will keep them safe, healthy, and empowered. We respect all birth choices and believe in supporting informed consent and evidence-based practices. Nothing said on this podcast should be taken as medical advice. You should always seek the advice of a competent professional for your care. Welcome to the Birth Circle podcast. This is Sarah with Birth Circle, and today I have Shannon Shepard from Bloom Birth. And Bloom Birth is kind of a fun business. <laughs> Shannon's a professional placenta encapsulator. Heck yeah! <laughs> so we're gonna we're gonna say some interesting things today, I'm sure, because placenta uh, con- con- consumption is an interesting topic. Yeah. Okay. So first of all, um, why would anybody want to consume their placenta? Well, <laughs> it sounds crazy. I know. No, wait, wait, wait. I'm going to go back even further. Okay. Why would you professionally endorse <laughs> people consuming their placenta? What got you into this profession as a placenta encapsulator? Okay. Good question. Wait, oh my gosh. What <laughs> even is a placenta encapsulator professional? Okay. We, we're going to go all over the okay, place today. <laughs> let's go all the way back. So placenta encapsulation specialist is what we call ourselves. Yes. So we are nutty people (laughs) that take a placenta from a mother. So in my industry, what we do, taking the mother's placenta for that mother, a lot of misconception about that. Sometimes people think they can just get a placenta and use anyone's placenta. (gasps) We don't do that. No. Maybe people do, but we don't do that. So what we do is take the placenta from the place of birth. So we go to the hospital, birth center, home, and we bring their placenta to a kitchen where we're going to process it. So we're going to steam it, dehydrate it, grind it in a fine powder. There's different methods. That's the most common. Mm -hmm. And then we put it in gel cap form for the mom. So as a specialist, we're trained in how to handle and process the placenta and get it into gel cap form for a mother who just gave birth. Okay. So, um, Okay, so how did you become interested in this, though, in the first place? So, funny thing. So, I'm a doula, and about six years ago, I was hanging out with my doula partner at the time, and she was a hypnobabies teacher, and we were thinking, I needed something to add to the what we offered to our moms, and she said, you could encapsulate placentas, and said, what? Why would I do that? <laughs> And I just thought it sounded kind of crazy. And then I sat there and I thought, well, people are asking about that and people want it. Okay, I'll take one for the team and I'm going to learn how to do this. And very quickly, I would I did it for just some doula clients, right? And started getting really awesome feedback. Through that time, someone really close to me had a baby that she was really worried about her postpartum depression because she'd had really severe with her first four babies. Mm -hmm. And personally, I saw some really cool things with her as well. And so that's what really, it kind of started with a, okay, I'll do this for the people that want it. I don't really understand it, but okay. Mm -hmm. To, wow, this is really cool. And it actually seems to really be helping people. Yeah. So, So that just got me a little more interested in why and how and, you know, all the things. I have so many questions, like, are there studies to back this up? So I'm going to try and keep, like, on a straight line. (laughs) Let's just go with some myths about placenta encapsulation. So 
even here as we were beginning the podcast, those in the studio were asking you about placentas. Yeah, like it's look. not, first of all, you're not eating anybody else's placenta and you're yeah. not really even eating it. You're taking it as a pill. Mm-hmm. So it's a bit in processed and you're not putting it in a smoothie. We're, that's not what we do. People do that, but that's so, not, yeah, we're catering yeah. more to the moms that want the potential benefits in what we consider the least gross way possible. <laughs> and gross is very relevant, yeah, <laughs> rel- relative to, yep. yeah. Yep. So the benefits of placenta encapsulation, I guess that's a better weird place to start. The sure. benefits, the possible benefits. Yeah. Yeah. We talk about potential benefits. So so what we see a lot of in our clients and what why women are doing this is they feel better postpartum. So when we talk about a postpartum mood disorder, so a lot of women will have less postpartum depression, anxiety, those type of things. Breast milk supply is another big factor here. I've had many clients who weren't successful breastfeeding their first couple babies and then encapsulated and almost had an oversupply. Like they, Really? And what is it in the placenta that's helping so that there's just potentially? A, yeah, lots of hormones and nutrients related to... Can you get overdosed then in hormones? No, I don't think so, but... I mean, maybe, but we've not. I guess seen. that's one of the reasons why you wouldn't want to take somebody else's placenta, yeah, yep. their hormones. Yep. So in theory, and a lot of this is in theory. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a, right. No, this know, is all. This is all just what we see. Mm-hmm. A lot anecdotally, there are some research studies as well. But what in theory this is, your body is making what your body needs to get back into it. So mm. Sarah's placenta would be made for Sarah's body, right? So, yeah. So um, there's no. Is there danger of eating your placenta? Like, you're, I guess if it's your own, you're not going to get any bloodborne anything because it's just you right yeah yeah and we I mean we check with them on like you know different diseases you know that type of thing um infection and infected placenta you wouldn't want to consume Mm. there's a common misconception that a mom being gbs positive makes it not safe to encapsulate that's not true it's when it's infected Mm. but there is when it when we talk about safety and some of the misconceptions around safety a lot of that is around the training of the encapsulation specialist. So knowing those, like the infections and different things, how to handle a meconium stain placenta, different things like that. But, and, you know, we do occasionally in my company, I've never actually heard it, but I have seen women on like birth forums and different places talk about feeling like their placenta maybe triggered their depression or their right. mood disorder. Mm-hmm. And sometimes like what I've seen with that, a lot of times I'll try to talk to those moms one-on-one because I just want to understand why the majority of women, research is actually 98% of women that have consumed their placenta would do it again. So they had positive things to say about it. So why some of those women are having negative results I've seen a lot of it where it's maybe a dosage problem or there's other factors mm-hmm. as well, but we don't really know. So what we do is really around, do you feel like this is right for you? We will help you, you know, so. Mm-hmm. I've also heard that you can take your placenta close to menopause to help with yeah. hormones. Yeah. You just keep it in the freezer, deep freeze. Yeah. We make tinctures for people that. What's tincture, a tincture? So tincture is an alcohol-based liquid where we put a piece of the placenta in it and that draws the nutrients out of it. So in four to six weeks, you have a liquid that is the same potential benefit. Almost like a homeopathic? As, yeah, yeah. Um, you don't seem super crunchy to me. And <laughs> so we're talking about like a legitimate practice of, of encapsulating placenta and consuming it uh, like on purpose. And this isn't, you then don't go out and do a dance in your front yard or anything. Like you just, this is just something. You know what? When I encapsulate placentas, I usually listen to David Archuleta <laughs> or... 
something Broadway <laughs> or your podcast, actually. Yeah. <laughs> <The> podcast, <laughs> yeah. So, so, um, how many, so 98% of women would do it again. The 2% aren't that aren't, it's, it's just something that's just not working, not jiving with them. Yeah. yeah. And this isn't, um, are there studies? You said there's some studies. Well, all mammals, pretty much all mammals eat their placentas, right? Yeah. Instinctually, almost all mammals eat their placenta postpartum. They like right at birth, they are there any other cultures in the world that instinctually just eat their placenta, human cultures? Do you know? So I know as far as what we do that's the, with the encapsulation that's mm-hmm. becoming a little more mainstream, there's a lot of it like in Europe and, you know, different parts of the world. As far as any culture that just had it part of their practice that they the mom would just eat the placenta right after, mm-hmm. there isn't a lot of ancient findings around that. I guess they but, probably wouldn't record that on hieroglyphics. Yeah, on the wall, yeah. Right? <laughs> but what what I've seen and read and different things would maybe be around like some some of the German cultures, even Belgium, they would um, do different things, you know, back in like our grandma's day where they would make different broth and stew and different things out of it that sounds kind of gross. Yeah. <laughs> but Well, it is. A, I mean, it's a it's a, an organ meat yeah. like liver yeah. or right yeah okay so back to if it is it safe you mentioned meconium i actually didn't know what meconium was until like my second baby they didn't oh. mention the tar yeah. thing that came out of my <laughs> baby's butt in the first time yeah. meconium is when the baby um, has a bowel movement before or right at birth yeah and so it can stain the placenta and make it look kind of scary yep yep and that so from my research and training and i've done really extensive training around handling a placenta Meconium in a lot of studies is actually found to be sterile. Meconium is definitely not dangerous for us. Meconium is dangerous if a baby were to breathe it in. It's not regular poop. Right. Because the baby's got is sterile still in the womb. And so it's not, it's not like real poop. Right, right. And so to, it sounds gross, but in, you know, if a baby breathed it in, obviously that's yeah, sticky it, tar yeah, in their lungs. That's not good. Really dangerous. That's why we treat it, you know, quickly. like an emergency. Yeah. But when it comes to getting it on someone, it's not going to hurt you, you know? Yeah. But when it comes to our moms with placenta encapsulation, there's just this myth in the, and it's really in the hospital setting where because there's meconium, it's not safe to consume. It is still safe to consume. What we do to make it not so gross to consume, (laughs) we actually just rinse it with apple cider vinegar, Mm -hmm. makes it nice and clean. And then we steam those placentas like we do most of them anyway, and then there's it's disinfected it's anyway. Disinfected, yeah. So, so what about the um, the? I know some hospitals it's against their policy to take the placenta out because it's um, part of like it's what do they call? What's their excuse? So medical waste biohazard. Yeah, there you go. Biohazard. Yeah. That's wow, big words for me today. <laughs> no, <laughs> but I I heard also that the placenta is technically your organ, yeah. and so. Legally, you can say, I would like my organ here wrapped up with a pretty bow, please, because yep. that I own it. I own it. Yeah. yeah. And so, I mean, if you really want to get down and dirty with the hospital, you own your organ, right? But the hospitals are sometimes, uh, they don't want to release the placenta because they're worried about, what are they worried about? So that's a good question. <laughs> well, I know. I mean, yeah, it's still an, it's still a meat. You still, yeah. it's like, just like steak. You have to keep it on ice. You have to keep it cold. Yep. Yep. So we... I really haven't dealt a lot with so much in the last few years with hospitals having a problem with it, but I personally have worked very hard to educate around this. So I have mm. made built relationships with many of the hospitals that I work with 
to educate them about what we're doing. And really the main education to me is making sure they understand that it really is safe. So we have our moms take a cooler with them. We have loner coolers, whatever. Placenta is safe on ice for 24 hours. And then we pick it up and get it going at that point. Can right? you even so, do it with a C-section? Yeah. Oh, yeah. What about sure. if the mom has like a traumatic birth and the placenta is kind of in pieces? Yeah. If As long as it's there's no infection and the placenta hasn't gone off to pathology, because when it's in pathology, temperatures wouldn't be right. We can't guarantee what kind of chemicals could have come in contact. But, but I've had them in pieces before, and it's... Yeah, so it's if they go to pathology, if there's if the if the hospital's searching for something else with the baby and they mm. investigate the placenta, then you really can't encapsulate after that. Right, right. Interesting. And then GBS is well, what is GBS? So GBS is a so group B strep. GBS, most people know that, but it's a normal bacteria that's found in the colon area, right? And it can get into the um, vagina and different areas of the mom that can turn into an infection and that can be dangerous for the baby for the baby but gbs just as a bacteria that is present is not unsafe we do treat those placentas we like to steam them we get them to a certain temperature that would that's actually scientifically proven to kill off any of that potentially dangerous bacteria that's Mm -hmm. really just an extra precaution there's actually research to show that's not really necessary to do, but we do that. Just we we're really trying to be super ultra safe and professional, yeah. and top standards. So that's how we do things. Okay. So the other myth is that it would be full of toxins. Like I've seen placentas that have calcification on mm-hmm. them, or that, or some people say your your placenta absorbs all the toxins, so your baby doesn't get it. So then why would you want to ingest that? Yeah, that's a good question. Oh, heck yeah, I have. (laughs) I've (laughs) heard it all. Sarah, I've heard it all. (laughs) (laughs) What have you not heard? (laughs) Um, So it actually does not work that way, which is kind of cool. Placenta actually works as a return filter. So rather than the misconception is that the placenta is a sponge and it's soaking up everything bad and keeping it from the baby, it's actually returning it to be filtered through the mom's kidney and liver, you know, just like we would normally filter toxins. So stuff doesn't just sit in the placenta. It doesn't just sit in it. So, and that's not to say there's not any level of toxicity in a placenta. Right. Everything has a level of toxicity. Well, I've heard that even I was born after DDT was outlawed and they say that that I still have DDT in my body. Well, yeah. 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 So everything, we're all toxic somehow, right? (laughs) So, (laughs) but what's cool, there's been some research done in the UK that they found that the levels of toxicity in a placenta actually match what's in our breast milk. So there's level of toxicity in our breast milk, right? But it's not major. Mm -hmm. And those thresholds are actually lower than what's in our drinking water. So it really, not to say there's no level of toxicity whatsoever in a placenta, but it's the same thing with breast milk. You're, you know, and more, more moms are for breastfeeding their baby than eating their placenta, which I totally understand. Mm -hmm. But if you think about that and just you wouldn't say there's too much toxicity in my breast milk. Just from a normal functioning right, right. woman, you wouldn't not breastfeed your baby. The mm-hmm. good benefits. Well, if you're totally. on medication while you're pregnant, then would it? No, it would not stay in the placenta. No. Get that no. out of our heads. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Okay. Because I'm like, sometimes you can't breastfeed, but I'm just yeah. going down yeah. the rabbit hole. Yeah. And there might, I mean, there that's a little beyond the scope of what I do in my training of like to really determine if something a mom took Mm, yeah. She shouldn't. That's 
I mean, we're kind of in a spot of, you know, talk to your doctor. You, yeah. And yeah. what are you comfortable with? And, you know, but have you heard that it's just a placebo that, <laughs> I mean, really, how could this little capsule of ground up meat that I made yeah. <laughs> really help me do anything? For, yeah. So, and you know what I say about placebos? I will pay for a placebo yeah. if it works. Are you kidding me? I'm like, there's no side effects and it only helps like bring on the placebos. Yeah. You're like, so what? Yeah. So first of all, there's that, <laughs> but um, actually research. So some of the research that's happening right now out of UNLV, Vienna University in Germany, um, Oregon State, they're doing a lot of studies really to prove what's in the placenta and then how moms are responding to it. Right. And so one of the research studies in the last few years has been around the moms who've consumed the dehydrated placenta and then finding it in their saliva. So they're finding levels of hormone in the saliva to know that it is getting through our system. And the hormones that they're finding are ones that directly correlate with postpartum mood and milk. So like progesterone? Yeah, right. So Wow. So that's the first thing. I think when I hear the placebo, I'm like, okay. But at the same time, you have... I don't know. I mean, it's, it's anecdotal. So that doesn't mean something to everyone, but it does to me. I've only encapsulated with one of my babies and I can tell you that the way I felt postpartum, that was absolutely not placebo. Mm. And I guarantee you, we could get thousands of women to say the same thing just from their experiences from one to the next. It just, it does something to you. That's just... Yeah. So how long does it like a build up in your system or can you, if you're having a rough day or can you take it and you would feel immediately better? Is it that kind of? I've, I've help? heard that. Yeah. Yeah. I have, I've had clients. So then a mom can we... just test and see if she feels better one day versus another day. Yeah. Yeah. I've oh. had moms say like even, you know, a, a random text message and that that's really one of my favorite parts of my job is the text messages I get. Cause they're so often like, I feel amazing. Thank you. Thank you. You know, and some some will say, I realized I hadn't taken my pills for a day or two because I started to feel low energy again. And then I took them and now I'm feeling great again, you know, so. Yeah. So is there any danger to the baby? Like, do babies die? Because- <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. So the back to the GBS myth. Oh, okay. That's the big myth. That's really, the industry was really growing with placenta encapsulation industry, I should say, like the trend, people doing it. It was uh-huh. really becoming really popular because mostly because women were hearing really great stories from even celebrities doing it. And then, you know, their sister, or their mom, you know, or mm-hmm. their friend, whatever. Um, and then the CDC, so the Center for Disease Control, released a isolated case study that actually isn't even from the CDC. It's from some other group of doctors that had observed this baby that um, ended up with an infection related to group B strep. And the mom's placenta pills tested positive for it as well. So then that became, and that baby did not die. So that became this big, like, oh, placenta encapsulation makes everyone sick. Don't do it. You know, and that, Mm. that one little isolated, there's actually a lot of factors in that. And that has since been demythed by actual research. I was going to say, the baby's not going to touch the placenta. Right. The mom's gut is going to take care of that bacteria. It's not dangerous to the mom. It's not going to go through her breast milk, right? Right. In, in this scenario, there actually wasn't anything in the breast milk. So this, what I hear a lot of people saying is, so we were rubbing placenta all over the baby? No, of course not. You know, that's kind you of- You don't the, rub That's placenta. the joke. That's the oh, joke, right? Like, gosh. that's the only way that could have happened. You're hurting me. Yeah, it was so- 
But even then, the placenta, the placenta is, itself isn't GBS positive. It's the the route it came out of is. Right, right. So it's not like the GBS would be infecting in the placenta the whole time you're gestating. Right, right. right? So that, yeah. So it, it, nothing adds up about it. Even in, there's a research study where they looked at 18,000 cases of community birth. So birth at home or in a birth center, mm-hmm. right? Um I know you know what community birth is. <laughs> I never heard that term, actually. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was thinking, um, you know, communal birth, and I was like, really? Yeah. Tell me more about that. <laughs> yeah. So in those scenarios, high percentage of those women had consumed their placenta in a different ways, smoothie, raw, mm-hmm. you know, encapsulation. And, and they found there wasn't any higher likelihood of the baby getting sick in the NICU, anything, than without consuming the placenta. So... What we're dealing with here is a little story that has actually been debunked. And funny thing, I have the newspaper article hanging on my fridge that says it's actually found to be safe. You only know, you, Shannon, only, yeah. would have this on your right. fridge. But it just, it <laughs> makes me so happy. But you can't get it through completely to the medical world yet. We are getting there. It's been two years now since that came out. But but then it's evolved into babies have died. I've had nurses tell me babies have died. And I stand there and look them at the eye. And I try to be so nice because I do. I understand to them this is medical waste. This is a biohazard that they deal with in their job. And I'm coming to get it to like for the mom to eat. Like I do understand where they're yeah. coming from. I truly do. At the same time, I'm always saying, can we just see the mom's intentions here? Why the mom is doing it, right? But so when a nurse tells me, though, something that's totally not true, and I always just, you know, I ask them, like, will you show me that? Because there is, hands down, no reported case ever of a baby dying because of placenta encapsulation. And, you know, <laughs> it just, I don't know. I think it's one of those misunderstood. Yeah, misunderstood. And yeah, and it just, on the surface, when we, well, it's I'm a little sure, different. Yeah. And when every one of, I'm sure... Pretty much every one of us, when we heard about placenta encapsulation or anyone eating their placenta. I mean, this is a podcast. We can't see our facial expressions, but you can imagine my first expression was, really? Yeah. You're what? You're what? Yep. Yeah. And then when you, but then you flip that around to, we've had these conversations with women who are talking about their postpartum time as a nightmare yeah. As the lowest point of their lives. I, in my business, how many postpartum women I interact with, I hear that almost daily. Something yeah. like that. And postpartum it's brutal just a sometimes, and, your hormones. Yeah. So to wow. think something like this is helping any of them, then it's like, okay, hold on. <laughs> Let's just try it, you know? Yeah. So, so do you add anything to them? Like herbs or anything? We don't. Essential oils. We don't add anything. Pixie dust. Pixie dust, Sparkles, glitter, glitter. Yeah. Um, sugar. Yeah. I'm just kidding. You don't add we, anything. We to don't those add spells. anything. I really believe, and I know there are other people that do, and I'm not trying to judge that whatsoever because I've talked to some of the other people that do that really believe there's never been a single problem with any of their clients, and that very well may be true. Personally, I've had things essential oils, herbs, different things I've been sensitive to. I've known of other people to be sensitive to. If I add something and you or your baby are sensitive to it, I've ruined your whole entire placenta. So just take it in a separate Take it pill. on the side, right? That's what mm. we say. Like just, there are some other great options and things you can do to help, but I don't want to mix it in with your placenta. I just... Makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I've heard people making like full concoctions or like mixing herbs with, you know, to help 
with milk supply or whatever. And yeah, I just yeah wondered if you did that in your practice. Yeah, yeah. So don't. there's is there a governing body that kind of licenses placenta encapsulation? encapsulationist or is it just like you go in a hovel in the woods somewhere and learn how to do this dark magic <laughs> yeah i mean because that's all it is right it's got to be and or, <laughs> or yeah, right. for that right <laughs> yeah. so we are not a regulated industry i see it coming as it grows in popularity and you know and there are areas in the uk different places in our world that it is regulated so i i think it'll happen so as of right now maybe not regulation but licensure something right yeah, yeah. That's more what I meant. I was using a big word that I didn't need to be careful so, with the big words. Yeah, sorry. Well, just yeah. like midwives, you can you can still in Utah you can have a midwife that's unlicensed, yeah. or you can pick a licensed midwife. Yeah. So with placenta encapsulationist, you would like to see. I'm just saying because I know you. Yeah. You would like to see licensure, like you would proper training, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. We, and we've so I've gone through a certification through an organization that is really the most comprehensive. And that to me, when I was getting trained, when I knew I wanted to train and take this seriously because of the husbands and medical providers that were talking moms out of this and mm -hmm. feeling uncomfortable about it, my thought was, okay, so moms want to do it. People are uncomfortable. How can we help them be more comfortable? And to me, it was high standard. So the education for me, the education for them my training, my certification, you know, everything. Like you just, went across the country and took like a long training. Well, it, luckily it was, we could do it remote. Yeah, <laughs> so it but was, it's it's know. like a training they teach you about um, like how to handle it properly and mm -hmm. safely and how to disinfect and. Yeah, all the I mean, things. oh, that's another myth. You're not going to have any cross-contamination between two moms. Yeah, that's a good question. Mm. I, I get that a lot and I can totally see that. And I, even starting out, in at Bloom, we have three stations, so we can have three placentas going at the same time because we want to be able to help and get things back to moms quicker. And so we right away, when I was first opening my center, I really came up with a process. Of, I don't ever even want to worry. I don't want to be standing there and thinking, you know, when you're making cookies and you're like, did I put the baking soda in there? You know, and you just <laughs> oh, can't dear. remember, you know, uh -huh. and I just thought, and that's my brain. So I'm like, we're going to make this really Shannon proof. And like, we're going to have, so when we go pick up the placenta, we have these labels that we put right on the cooler. We, you know, write the mom's name, you know, some information on it. And then we take that back to Bloom and that's assigned to her station. And that stays there until I write her name on her jar of pills. So, mm -hmm. and then the way the stations are separated, we're really working in one isolated space, cleaning, sanitizing, even changing our personal protection equipment that we wear before we even move on to anything else. So I am very strict on that. And I probably, maybe I'm too strict on it, but I do really think this is something that I would, if someone was spying on me, <laughs> I'd really want. You know, just, yeah. you know, integrity for these moms. Like if it were me, I just wouldn't want to risk yeah. someone else's blood product mm -mm. crossing over, you know, so. So um, we talked about uh, you can't, if it's gone to pathology, but there are other things you can, you screen for, like, like I, you know, we don't have a big, you know, HIV isn't a huge scare, but like stuff like that, bloodborne hep, hepatitis or anything like mm -hmm. a bloodborne or blood diseases. Do you worry at all about processing placentas with that? For so, yourself? So we, we don't do any actual screening ourselves, but we do have them fill out a form and, you know, make sure they've had tests and different things. So, so if so, they say they are they're they have hepatitis or some of the other ones, would you turn them away? Yeah, we would. But 
we haven't really seen that much. Thank mm. goodness. But and I, I think those moms probably wouldn't want to either. Like, yeah, I was gonna say, so. does it? Because it is it. I'm sounds like a dumb question. I'm dumb. I feel dumb for asking it, but it just in my mind, like, would you want to? You wouldn't want to even consume a placenta if you had. Yeah, I wouldn't. I mean, maybe there's if I'm. I've never dealt with any of those ailments, <laughs> but I just I'm with you on that. I wouldn't think that you would want to. So can you just do this by yourself? Like, can you just get, can you just pull up YouTube and just like encapsulate your own placenta? <laughs> you could. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, people do, they DIY this, they, you know, oh. and, I mean, I think of some of, you know, there's a difference of the certified professional and someone that will just do it for you. Right. It's, yeah, it's kind of one of those things, you know, when you know something and you've been trained thoroughly in something and then you hear people are DIYing it or not actually trained. Kind of takes your breath away. Yeah, it's really, <laughs> but so, you know, that's. Can that be dangerous? I mean, like if the placenta temperature wise isn't kept or I yeah. mean, can you introduce dangers to this definitely, process? Definitely, definitely. Even when it comes to food handling, I mean, we have food handlers permits as part of this, right? Like there's an element of. Temperatures of storage, mm -hmm. amount of time it can be on ice, it needs to be in the fridge, it needs to go to the freezer. Like there's a lot of different temperatures it needs to get when it's steaming, when it's dehydrating. All the things I learned through my certification process that I don't, it's not always being honored just because someone will encapsulate your placenta for low cost, right? That's usually what it comes down to, someone that's not certified. But but I believe, and I think a lot of people in my industry believe that that GBS sickness baby, one of the factors that could have been something there with the placenta pills coming back with the GBS was it wasn't prepared correctly. Mm. So, And that's just, I don't know that for fact, yeah, but that could no be way. one of the factors. And so, you know, there are just different... Okay, so there's a lot of different ways to prepare a placenta. And actually, I know very little about placentas. I They're not my friends. <laughs> I said I could be a birth worker. I'm a filmmaker. But I could never be a midwife because there's the placenta thing. Mm -hmm. So placentas aren't my favorite. <laughs> this is Come kind, on. Of, kind of fun to have this conversation with you. I prefer not to photograph the placenta when they ask me to like photograph it in heart shapes. And I'm yeah. like, maybe not. Yeah. But anyway, so but I know I know just... I'm hearing that there's lots of different ways to encapsulate, like different techniques. So can you just kind of run through the different ways? Like there's the steaming or like, just tell us the different, because everybody who has their official, the best way that keeps the most nutrients or hormones intact. And they just, can you just run through the different ways so we can like wrap our head around yeah. all the different ways? Yeah. And I would say to more to touch on like the different ways to get the placenta back into the mom. Like that's a big thing too, right? Like you have the smoothie, that's going to obviously be the most potent because it's raw. It's mm -hmm. just in a smoothie. And then and I've seen that used at a birth that the mom lost a lot of blood and yep. is struggling to stay conscious. Yeah. Um, that can help right away. Yep. Yeah. Cutting a piece of placenta off and sticking it in the mom's cheek would actually clamp down her uterus. So you can use that in a birth instead of stabbing the mom in the leg with Pitocin, like I'm making faces over here. Yeah, I know. Okay. But it would save her it life. It would work. So, okay. Yeah. So there's that. And then there's, you know, people cook it in food. That's kind of where placenta encapsulation came from was women in the 90s and 2000s talking about making their their lasagna and their stir fry. <gasps> and it just, it sounded really gross. Like you and I are like, why would you do that? And then they're sharing these stories of the euphoria they're feeling during their postpartum period. Oh, well, I want to feel that way. Okay. So now we're looking for other ways. Let's put it in a gel cap, mm -hmm. right? So then 
we go to the gel cap and for what we do at Bloom, so my really one of my main focuses obviously is around the sanitation. So, Mm -hmm. so we're using equipment that can actually fully be sanitized. So that is a dehydrator that heats from the top down. So we're not getting anything in the bottom of any blood or anything. And then the trays are really sanitizable. So that when you talk about other types of equipment that can be used, I just don't know that there's other than in outside of dehydrators, there isn't really going to be a piece of equipment on the market that's fully sanitizable. Not everyone cares about that. Mm -hmm. We really care about that. So, so typically what we do are two methods are a raw start where we take the raw placenta, cut it up in pieces. Please don't get sick on me. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Glazing over a little bit. (laughs) And we put that on like a natural parchment paper on the dehydrator and then that that would be for if you were working with Bloom or most professional placenta encapsulators would just do the dehydrated method. So raw start is where you're going to get the most nutrients. Mm-hmm. Then we do the steamed. That's the most common. That's where we steam it first, get it to 160 degrees, same temperature you need your chicken to be safe and free from the bacteria. We, after we do that, we put that into pieces on the dehydrator and we dehydrate that for less time less temperature than the raw start. Okay. So so the raw start, is there a preference? Cause it would seem like if you are treating it with heat, then you would destroy a lot of things. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely not as potent as, you know, obviously raw, anything is better. So it is more potent, which in my observation, it, it really appears to me that the raw for a mom that's prone to a postpartum mood disorder probably isn't the best option. Having really? less potency seems to respond better. That is just, mm. I've, I've observed that and I've just talked to other encapsulators that have observed that other mom. So that is not. So more like, is not better in right. terms of rawness of the placenta. If you have a history of postpartum mood disorder. Yeah. And, and that wet heat to begin with, that's, that should be so, really. When you start with raw, though, the dehydrator gets to a temperature where it would kill bacteria, but not just like steam the thing to death. Yeah. yeah. And then do you steam? Do you steam? You said you said the second way is steaming it before you then dehydrate it. Yeah. But because the steaming does all the killing, the hydrator doesn't have to get as hot for as long. Yep. Got and it. And it's still very potent. It's still very nutrient dense, you know? So, and that, the steamed is really loosely based on traditional Chinese medicine. So they heat it with the steam first and use some herbs and different things. I was going to say, yeah, so that's, that's, it's do you use, you don't on. herbs there either. I you don't just do use anything, water. Right. Got it. And that's, that's back to, again, the, any version and that, I mean, there are people who use peppers and lemons and different things. And that once again is loosely based on the traditional Chinese medicine. We're not Chinese medicine practitioners. So, right. you know, but, yeah. but if you are, want, if you want a traditional Chinese encapsulation method, you can go find uh, an encapsulator that does that method. Yeah. Yeah. Got We're it. very just trying to make it simple and the least complicated with adding things that could, you know. So are there any other ways you could prepare the placenta? Okay. And then after the, after it's dehydrated, then you grind it up yep. and then you put it in the little machine that sticks it in the pills and puts mm-hmm. the cap on. So is there, are there any other ways you can do this that are common? No, not just the raw and the steamed. Yeah. And sometimes we'll do half and half. Like a mom that had a high amount of blood loss, we'd maybe do half and half if she wanted the steamed, you know. So then what's like the dosage? Is it one pill, six pills? So we have dosage 
dosage guidelines, that was hard to spit out, where we recommend three pills three times a day for the first week, and then we taper them down to two pills three times a day for the next week, one three times a day until they're gone. That's not across the board. Different encapsulators recommend different dosage. And also sometimes a mom might decide she wants to do less. So, you know, maybe it's high for her. Some moms, a side effect I've heard of is, especially if they don't take eat it with food or take them with food, They'll get shaky, like you had too much caffeine type of feeling. Mm. Sometimes that's just with a dose that maybe is too high. Mm-hmm. Um, not very common, but, you know. And then placentas are different sizes. Mm. So some mom gets her money worth, money's worth and some moms don't. <laughs> we do the best that we can. But yeah. An average placenta, we have average sizes. I, it's funny in my jars, they're six ounce jars, and I can almost guess where the pills are going to land in every one. But that's but how does, you know you've been doing way too many of yeah, these. Yeah. <laughs> but it does end up almost always being a almost full jar. So how many pills is that? It's about 100. That's pretty average. They say 90 to 130 is an average placenta. Wow. So, And then I know we're, so we're speaking in Utah. Costs vary across the board, though don't quote Utah prices. Um, but generally, what can somebody expect to pay? What's the range of this service? So we charge $219.00. We're on the higher end, but we are in Utah. We in are Utah. We're on the higher right. Mm-hmm. We're on the higher end, but and but we are in a professional space. We are in a professional kitchen. I'm not in my own home kitchen, so obviously there's, you know, expenses there, overhead, and you're mm-hmm. paying for a benefit of my training and my kitchen and the cleanliness and the cleanliness. I I know there's a few farther south than me that maybe charge a little more, and then you know you can see it all the way down to fifty dollars, which not judging, but I just want just to put out or point out here, <laughs> um, making sure you're getting someone that's certified. And certified the, the whole for- process is takes you several hours, doesn't it? It gets a pretty labor intensive process, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. From pickup to processing to dropping off. The I delivery. Mean, yeah. Yeah. It can be, I mean, it, it, the whole thing with wait time and everything, you know, we give ourselves 72 hours from the birth to delivery of the pills. So can you take like, because you try and get them to mom as fast as possible. Mm-hmm. There's obviously benefits, but can you get benefits from starting them later? Yeah, definitely. Like yeah. if you hit six months and you're like, man, I'm I'm having a hard time. Or weaning. I wonder if like it would help with weaning. Yeah. Weaning hormonal. Yeah. Wonkies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I've, I've definitely heard of being used at all points, all, you know. So they just call you when the baby's born and you just come pick up the placenta. Yeah. And bring it back in a cute little jar. Mm-hmm. They don't have to worry about anything. They don't have anything. to look at it if they don't, the, the raw placenta, they don't even have to look at it. So what are some of the other questions you get from uh, mother-in-laws and husbands and friends? I get, isn't that cannibalism? <laughs> <laughs> That's a common one. <laughs> cannibalism. Um, and it's not. Good. I, it's not. <laughs> but I... That's one I kind of, I don't really I guess breastfeeding would be cannibalism. Yeah, and I, cannibalism (laughs) by definition, it's, you are consuming something that's like dead or whatever. Or you're eating, you're eating somebody else. Yeah. And you're eating someone else. And this is an organ that came from you that is no longer Biting my nails is cannibalism. Probably. (laughs) Yeah, probably. There's a lot of things that are cannibalism. Um, And that, I mean, I don't, that's when I just. I have not heard that one. I educate a little and then I just kind of sit with it. Like, okay, I'm. I don't like to argue with people uh-huh. about it. I just like to point out the facts, you know. So um, that's that's a pretty common one I get. You already mentioned the babies dying. <laughs> that which is totally it's a really true. convenient one. Yeah. 
Yeah, a lot around just it's not safe. Like, yeah. And there's a lot of reasons why it's can can be seen as not safe. And this is actually probably safer than having it in your freezer and cutting it up and putting it in smoothies because yeah. you are disinfecting mm-hmm. by heating it. Yeah. Yeah, and it, it is safer. I I just don't really think I've seen a lot of like not being safe for people that just consume it. I mean, I mammals eat it instinctually and yeah. they're okay. So, yeah. Wow. Oh my goodness, this has been so educational. I'm still not going to take a training from you. <laughs> it's not going to help you. But if you had a with placenta, placenta, you would let me take it. <laughs> I actually did encapsulate with my fourth. Oh, good job. Um, yeah, one of my friends was training to be a placenta encapsulationist and she wanted to show me all the benefits. And it's still in my freezer. I didn't actually end up taking it. I didn't <laughs> feel like I needed it. But, yeah. but she said I had a history of postpartum mood disorder. And so she said, just it would be good to have it. So yeah, I did it. Cool. Um, because she said I should. Yeah. But I didn't it's really a good look. Friend. In, yeah, <laughs> good friend. Super good friend. Yeah. Um, but I just wanted to have you on the show to talk about this as an option, as a tool. I believe that everybody will find their perfect, right resources for them. And when I say perfect, I'm not saying that there is a perfect birth. But well, yeah, a perfect birth is one where a mom is held in in respect and treated kindly and that she has the res- access to the resources she needs. I yeah. guess that's my definition of a pr- perfect birth, right? I totally agree. And so if placenta encapsulation, you've been wondering about it, <laughs> I've heard that some people just, they look through the list of episodes and they pick, they pick the crazy ones yeah, <laughs> to <yeah>. them. <laughs> and so I wanted this to be just kind of an expose on this crazy yes. practice of cannibalism. Just kidding. Not. She made a face at me. <laughs> Don't say that. No, just kidding. Not cannibalism. But yeah, the benefits to breastfeeding, possible benefits to breastfeeding, postpartum mood disorder, um, any other benefits? So overall energy is what I hear. Oh, and energy. energy. Mm-hmm. Um, postpartum bleeding tends to stop quicker. So that's pretty cool. Um, my, my favorite benefit actually that we didn't talk about is Moms will say they bonded better with their baby. Mm. So I can't remember if I mentioned or not, but I only encapsulated with my fifth. So I, that's my difference. I guess I did mention that when we were talking about placebo. And I remember hearing people and reading about like moms bonding better with their baby. And I thought, what did that, what does that mean exactly? And I felt that with my last one, not only did I feel more connected with him, but I felt it with my whole family, mm. even my husband which I thought was really cool. And since then, I've really tried to understand why or what's going on there. Sounds a lot of hormonal, like yeah. it maybe keeps your oxytocin at a happy level or yeah. something. It, they So there's a researcher in New York that has found, he studies the effects of it on a rat's brain. And he's found huh. that it's potentating our opioid circuits in our brain, which is what that translates to is it's triggering our maternal instinct. So in his research, he studies different species of rats where the mothers don't always go to the new, the babies. Like that's not their instinct to go nurture. Uh-huh. And I'll feed them human placenta and they're more likely to go to their babies. But what's really cool is he'll do it with the dad rats and the dads who almost never nurture or don't nurture will go to them and the older sibling rats from like a previous if they eat the placenta eat the placenta they'll go nurture more and so oh my goodness isn't that interesting so So, we should start feeding the partner the placenta just kidding yeah yeah wow but on rats it's doing something in the head yeah which is probably why biologically we are kind of wired to eat the placenta like other mammals because it would jump start those those bonding hormones yeah interesting really that's 
yeah, there's a lot of theories around why do mammals eat it. You know, there's mm-hmm. just things that I've heard, like mammals typically don't hemorrhage to death in the wild. Our moms hemorrhage in the hospital all the time, right? Or at home birth. Mm-hmm. So, but eating that placenta clamps down the uterus and. Wow. You know, so, wow. Well, that's a really juicy nugget. I'm glad we there held out go. for. Yes. <laughs> well, thank you. And it's where do time. where do we? Oh, oh my gosh, you're killing me. Oh my gosh. So, where do people find more um, more about you? Because because anybody listening to this can go to your website and learn about the process of enca- encapsulation, and then go to local professionals with the comparison and know what they're looking for, right? Yes. Yes. And they can even reach out to us, and we can help connect across the country. Can you do yeah. like? Can you do it across the country? Could you do like a, a dry ice? thing so i wish that would be amazing but as far as the fda is concerned <gasps> you're not allowed nothing to can it. cross state oh, lines so it. we can do things within the state and but we can't cross state lines so okay but sure. we can connect. business opportunities i know crushed <laughs> just kidding but we can connect with you know in our yeah. certification organization that we've gone through there's a big network and that's a good place to start so if you need help with that anywhere but you can find us on instagram and facebook we're at bloom birth utah Bloom birth, Utah. Bloom, birth, Bloom Utah. like the flower. Bloom like the flower. Birth like you're giving birth, Utah. And Utah. Yeah. And she has this awesome van that has flowers all over <laughs> it. And she takes pictures of the van in all the locations, fun locations. And so you can like follow the trip of the van. Like the van, I told her, <laughs> the van is. needs her its own Instagram account because she's got this does. really great van that's not for flower delivery. <laughs> much has, to the older gentleman's chagrin. Yes. <laughs> it has the word placenta on it five times. <laughs> but the older gentlemen but, don't see that. They just ask you for flowers. Yep. Can I get some flowers for my wife? Because I messed up or whatever. (laughs) I love it. Sorry, that's a side note. But you have to see her van. Go check out her Instagram just to see her fun van. Yes. (laughs) Thank you so much, Shannon. Thank you, Sarah. Please visit us at birthcircle.com. Join our Facebook groups or find us on Instagram and Pinterest. We hope you'll use our resources to support your birthing experience. And thank you to LaunchPod Media, who produces these podcasts.